You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So Sid Talk, it feels like forever since we did a podcast. Why? We've done one every week, right? Podcast? Have you we ever done it by <laughs> <laughs> in a while. It doesn't seem like that long to me, but... It seems like a long time to me. What was it? Last, last Wednesday. Jack and the... Uh-huh. But we watched it on the Monday. Jack the Giant's Leah. Did we? Wednesday. Last Wednesday. Instead of... Saturday. So we did it yeah. three whole days early. Still seems a long time ago. <laughs> anyway. Know, we have a very odd perception of time. I love it, but it's odd. Um, so what's the before the after the show discussion apart from that? Apart from my mention of my numbness in my thigh. No. Um, what was it? It was uh, nothing. I was playing Assassin's Creed. Yeah. That I was wasn't... posting something on Facebook. So we got nothing for you. Nice. The show's marriage after 13 years. There's really nothing to discuss. Unless you're recording it for the whole world to hear. All right, so it is. So we just don't really actually communicate at all. We didn't then for a while. <laughs> So, it is Saturday, June the 22nd, 2013. This is After the Show, number 280. What is After the Show, Sid Talk? Yesterday was summer solstice, by the way. It was, longest day of the year. What is uh, After the Show? Do you have any show? strange urges, or they say it brings out the, you know... No. Weird sexual urges in people. Oh, I've never heard that. <laughs> oh, look it up. Look it up for next year. How about that? I just say, I just say, people say it's a hot, long day, so it's kind of a drag. It's a very interesting take on it. Uh, what is after the show? Is this us talking to Are each other? Are you asking me a question Recording now? it and letting people listen to it. And we talk about a movie every week. A specific movie. And then you talk about video games. And then <laughs> I give some advice. That's pretty much it. Although it's glorious. You know, I'm not describing it with all of the... Not really, good. Not really a great <laughs> the description. The amazingness. The incredibleness. What is the incredible podcast? I bet so, there is one of those. So, 280. How would you describe it then? Movie review podcast, where we review a recent Blu-ray movie. Uh, this week's Blu-ray movie being then, the... Why didn't you just say it yourself? I was just letting you have some input, but then you wasn't prepared. No. <laughs> so, the uh, movie we're looking at this week is The Incredible Burt Wonderstone. It's a 2013 movie. It was released... No, it is released on Blu-ray... Sid Talk's already on in. This is going to be a good one. So it's um, released on Blu-ray on the 25th of June. So you'll be able to pick it up this fo- coming Tuesday. It's from our friends at Warner Brothers. PG-13. No tagline for this one, but my tagline is, It's magic. And Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of the incredible Burt Wonderstone. Do you want me to act like Sally? <laughs> from Big Brother? You mean do the synopsis in that style? No, just the whole time. No. <laughs> Ugh, I'd want you to kill me if that was the case. A synopsis of The Incredible Burt Wonderstone would include descriptions of... Descriptions? A description of... It describes, or shows us a little tale of old school Vegas magic people versus the new wave of new age, quote unquote, magic 
you know, they call themselves alternative stunt magicians. people. They're not really doing magic, but they're doing stunts and illusions and all that kind of shit. So we we can parallel this to real life. David Copperfield versus Mind Freak guy. You know, David Blaine kind of stuff. And that's what it is. Inside of it is tucked a little story about a dude who's like an arrogant magician guy. The... Actually, stage magic versus street magic. That's what they call it. Street magic. David Blaine's style of magic. Chris Angel. Yeah, but that doesn't describe what it is. It's more like... I know magic is all illusion, but theirs is more of stuntery. Yeah, some of it isn't even a trick, is it? That's done right in front of your face, but how do you do it? And in this movie, they take it to the point of, you know, the new age guy is just a dickhead and he's like, it's more about pain and like shock and awe than it is about the... What is that? Because no, we can't see that. (laughs) I'm waving my arms around (laughs) in the magical style. Yeah, the old school 70s magician. Not just 70s. We're talking about everything before that. Well, I mean, Houdini was... Like a modern guy, right? He was trying to be—he was an escape artist and stuff. Well, maybe a little ahead of his time. Houdini but that's was what like the Chris is. Angel of his time, as opposed to the man who pulls a rabbit out of the hat. Yeah, and there was a whole wave of them at the time as kind well. Of, but in this, inside of that whole controversial topic of you know the new washing out the old is a sweet story of a dude who has to overcome his—he falls off a pedestal and refines his love for magic. Correct. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, so that should be the tagline. That whole a, thing I just said, and it's a comedy. Correct. Well, okay. If you are seeing <laughs> it's not the cover, if you're looking at the cover, I don't mm-hmm. think there's any way for you to deny that. So, the incredible Bert Wonderstone. What is your opinion, Sid Talk? First, I wonder why, I'd like to have had an explanation for why he called himself Wonderstone. It's just really cool. Funny. It's just a, a magician, no, a magician-sounding name. Wonderstone. Yeah. No, it isn't. What is my... I enjoyed it. I laughed a lot. I had a good time. It was a sweet... As you say, you, I'll use your word, it's a sweet little movie. Yeah, I, I think it was... You can't real... deny it's a nice... It's a little bit... Yeah, you know, sometimes. It's pretty good, because it's in its own little world of this magician. Yeah. You know, I, I've said to you before, I like watching magicians. I, I It doesn't get old to me. I, I can never figure it out, and I like to watch it. When we watch Britain's Got Talent and there's a magician act... <laughs> Like there was one this year, and they did this. I can never figure it out. I just can't figure it out. Like I, I'm, I'm sure you can go and look up how those tricks are done, but I don't want to know because that's the fun part. Imagine. You're the perfect guy right, for so, every audience of these guys. So I always enjoy watching magicians, old school, not so much the new school ones. I mean, David Blaine's pretty cool when he does his uh, close-up card tricks and stuff. I like watching that, but you know, like somebody sitting in a box for three days or whatever. I don't particularly care for that so much it's just a spectacle rather than a an actual thing it's isn't not it? magic yeah. yeah so um yeah this is in its own little bubble of this world of magic and how you know these two what what's it's anton and bert right they're a, a pair who've been friends since children and magic brought them together and then they do this magic act for many years and it's just stale, and they just keep doing it over and over. How many shows? Yeah, 5,200. So they keep doing it over and over, and, you know, they're kind of... Ha- they're not happy, are they? They, they? they don't... But they're just treading water. And then this freaky dude comes along, mind freak, brain rape. Oh. brain The brain rapist, they call him, don't they? Oh, my God. As a, a funny thing on the mind freak. 
but um and then they're kind of forced to change and, and yeah, obviously the change isn't good like it's David Copperfield says in his interview he in doesn't Extras, change no he does change because I mean, he, he doesn't he does change and he this. says he loves hecklers because they shake him out of his status quo and a heckler yeah, I, I, I guess I'm just saying he doesn't change into a mind freak dude just because that's cool he sticks with his own no but thing. I mean he changes as yeah, in yeah. he adds things and that's kind of how this the mind freak guy or whatever he is Kind of, like, wakes them up, yeah. Gives them a little bit of reason to motivate. Magic's a funny thing, right? Because, like, during the 80s, you know, David Copperfield had his huge TV specials and everybody watched them. It was on all around the world and we were all amazed when he made the Statue of Liberty disappear and it was like... Don't speak for everybody. I didn't watch it. I did. And, uh, you know, he made his jumbo jet disappear and I couldn't, you know... And he was always saying, there's no camera trickery, there's no camera trickery. And I still believe there was no camera trickery. It's more of an... Uh, he could have done it in front of you, but it's a mm-hmm. an illusion illusion. Um, and it was big and huge, and people wanted to see it. And then it just kind of gets relegated now to Vegas, Saks. Uh, it's just not... It's not on TV. I mean, yeah, Mind Freak has been. Those things, they're kind of fading away now, though, as well. Mm-hmm. That was a thing for a while. It's a weird thing, but it keeps coming around, Magic. It's, we're still fascinated by it. You know. What, what do you think would be the next incarnation of it? Old I'm, school Magic come back again? Yeah, I, I would like to see that. I would like to see, you know, like Burt Wonderstone's act. Like, maybe with some comedy thrown in it or whatever, you know, come back. Because we're always fascinated by it. And we, in this day and age where we can just look up how things are done, I'm sure if you go and but look at... But it'll turn, turn ugly, won't it? These days, people think everybody wants to see injuries cool. and death defying things True. and but you don't like if somebody does something wondrous in front of your eyes and you're just like holy shit how'd he get that flower from over there and that's why there? i like, like this movie because it showed actual magic and the old school magicians to be the heroes like yeah like you're not a nerd to be the the old school magician and there was a real simple moment in this movie where he's doing a kid's birthday party and he's doing just standard tricks you know the tr- you know pull the rabbit out of the hat those kind of tricks and the kids are just in wonder of it. And that was the moment where I was like... And, and you know, Jim Carrey was hanging around at this party mm-hmm. doing disgusting yeah. stuff. And the kids were kind of like, eh. And I was like, no, that is not necessary. It, these things, you know, him flossing his... Yeah. Know, he puts a, he puts a what do you call it, a handkerchief in his ear and pulls it out the other side. Real old school stuff like that. But the kids are, you know, in wonder of it. And it's not just relegated to kids' parties. I'd li- I like to see that stuff. I like to see, you know... You know the, the trick that they actually do for real at the beginning, the hangman one? Yeah. That David Copperfield designed. It's cool to watch. You can't figure it out. I've always been... Can you figure it out? Yeah. You know, you know I, what, do, I know what I say. I don't know how it's done. I still don't. <laughs> the guy did it on um, Britain's Got Talent, actually. A very similar trick where he appears behind Yeah. Behind them. And I'm, I'm always like... That one I couldn't figure out. I don't even out. know how that is done. Because he's there and he's there. When does he not... When is and he not unless, there? Unless the whole audience is in on it. He didn't just walk around out of the no. camera view. Like... And what I'm saying is, like, he's on the stage. He's, he, you know, he covers himself up. And then within, like, a tenth of a second, he is, what, 200 feet away from where he was. No, about 50 feet. Right. In that show, 50 yeah. feet yeah. away. Yeah, but sometimes it's further. It's right at the back of the audience. Yeah, coming down the stairs. And then I'm like, well, it's physically impossible. So obviously, at some point, he he, it's me. not him. He's but tricking he tricked us. me, and I didn't see it. Like, So I've always... I think it's a cool thing. But I really like how this movie shows you that it's not... It's a it's a niche thing, but it's not dorky. Like, it, it's it's actually cool. 
and the uh, Alan Arkin character instills Absolutely. it back into him that the salt thing. Doesn't yeah, it? look, this is this, yeah, and that's probably CG. But, <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I believe everything. But in the when you see is. an awesome trick and it wows you, it, it there's something about magic. It's magic. <laughs> so that the message that this movie had overall, I and I really liked how it was poking fun at like these new because that some of their like. There's a thing in this movie where Jim Carrey's character, who's kind of a Chris Angel character, does "I'm not going to have a pee for three days." Hold it in, trick. Two weeks. It's not a trick. Yeah. Like it's just like a dude holding his piss in. Like so. And so then, not, that's David Blaine. Yeah, he's like sitting in a box or right. Not that those aren't challenging things. Well, they're not magic. No. And and you know, Bert Wonderstone and, he, and Anton try one of yeah. his, the hot box, and it's just not for them, is it? It's not their thing. Like so. I just liked the vibe of it. I thought it was really sweet. I thought I loved. I, mean, I don't want to spoil it, but the the last trick. Yeah. And then where it shows you what, how the trick yeah, is yeah. done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was really. I good. thought that was like a really clever way of ending the movie because it was, it was funny and weird. You're already going like, no, there's no way, but whatever. And then they're right. like, oh, this is, we're taking the piss out of how the possibility of how they did the it. actual what behind the scenes yeah. how some of those tricks might occur <laughs> right. and to the most extreme but yeah really I, re- I really thought that was a really good way to top off the movie and you know it was I don't think it was mean this movie a lot of these movies are kind of mean like yeah exactly it wasn't it was more innocent than that you know you know there was no like mm-hmm. kicking a dwarf or stupid shit like even the Jim Carrey character that could have ended up like some mean spirited kind of thing Why would but you it was say kicking a dwarf because we saw movies we saw in the recent um, weeks where they were being rude to like there was uh, the monkey in Wizard of Oz where he was like the kicking right, post and right. then there was the, the angry dwarf dude in Wizard of Oz who was like yeah. I'm saying there's like a mean spirited thing in some of these comedies this one doesn't have it but and the Jim Carrey thing might be mean spirited towards people like David Blaine but it's he's more being mean spirited to himself like because it's like a the Jim Carrey thing is kind of a weird, you know, parody of him of that, but then silly at the same time, slapsticky. But he's not being mean to anybody else. He's just yeah. abusing himself, like you know. Yes. <laughs> like like he's a pinata at one point, and some woman has to crack him one like to to get the candy out. And, but see, that's it. That's the violent, horrible. It's not thing, a trick, though. It's like he's it's vomiting funny. this. But yeah, I understood it because it's like yeah, that's kind of what. Chris Angel does and I told you there's a trick in this movie that Jim Carrey does that I've seen Chris Angel do a variation of the same thing like pull money out of his body um, so yeah I really liked it I thought I've got like an attachment with magic because I had a friend when I was at school It's called Mark Mark if you're listening <laughs> um, and he used to go around his house is and he Wi-Fi on the ship? he was like the weird kid at school people thought he was weird uh, he didn't look weird, but once people caught on to it, he had this fascination with magic. He kind of got the mick taken out of him, you know, at school. And I was friends with him, and I used to go around to his house on a Saturday afternoon, and he would always say, do you want to see a trick? Because he'd be t- trying out all these tricks, you know, and he'd, he'd been on, he, he was a member of the magic circle, and he'd actually done some shows. I don't know what that is. It's a thing in Britain. It's You have to be a member of it to be a magician. It's like a, their club. Right. And you have to sign the oath, and you're not allowed to tell people tricks. You know, it's to keep magic. You're a kid. You're right. They, they take on, like, from... If you're good at magic, you can be in it. Right. So, 
I would go to his house and he would uh, be a Saturday afternoon and he'd say, do you want to see a trick? And it, and I'd say, yeah. And it would never be, I would never be disappointed. It would never be, okay, just let me get my cards and I'm going to like do a card trick. It was like, hold on a second. You go, I did a load of banging. And then like a wardrobe would appear in the middle of the room. Like he would like come downstairs with this bang, 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 bang. And it was a thing the size of our closet, like six foot tall box. And he'd go, yell at his sister come in here come in here we're going to show Paul this trick and he would do a full magic and he would do it you know like these these guys we were laughing at their um, staging yeah where they wave their arms around he would do all that because he was real old school this is like 80s early 80s and he, he would have a suit on and he would you know do some small tricks and then he'd do this big trick like uh, sawing his sister in half or making her disappear and I could never figure out how it was done and I was like you know, two feet away from him when he was doing it because we were in his living room. There wasn't really much room to do anything. And since I always found it fascinating, and he went on to be a professional magician, like, for a job. So he he went on a cruise ship and was a magician on a cruise ship. He might still be a, uh, a magician on a cruise ship, but I've not heard from him for many years. Maybe he'll hear this and email me, acegully at acegully.com. But, um... I've always had a fascination with it, and that was where it stemmed from, I think. And then I always wanted to watch magic stuff on TV, because he would always tell me, oh, there's some magic on TV tonight, Uh, you know, most people probably don't know it's on, but if you watch at 10 o'clock, there's a magic show. So that's where I get a fascination from it. Do you have any history with magic? Did you like it as a kid, or...? Um... Nothing specifically. Were you ever amazed at any point in your life by some magic? (laughs) Was like, you asked that question because I don't seem like the type to be amazed, do I? I, I don't... No, but you know, even as a kid, um, like, you watch like a David Copperfield show or... I didn't watch them, no. I... Um, Bobby Brady tried to... No, Peter Brady, I think, or Bobby Brady tried to be a magician once and uh, that was an episode of Brady Bunch that I was not particularly fond of. I don't remember... You avoided the David Copperfield show completely. I didn't avoid it. I mean, you, I mean, you never even caught it. Wasn't interested. No, right. I really wasn't. And I'd say if I ever saw any magicians do like a quick thing, it would be like on Johnny Carson. Right. Somebody'd yeah. get card up and do a card thing or a thing or a quick thing if they did, and I just don't remember. It never really stood out to me. Well, that's my history with, and that's why I kind of I saw this was about magicians, and I thought well, this is going to probably going to be fun. I hope they don't really. Yeah. Make fun of being magicians. And at first it, it it can come off as, oh, they're making fun of magicians. And they are, in a way. But the actual overall message of the film is not making fun of magicians at all. It's actually Yeah, it's opposite. making fun of the spectacle side on both sides of the old school and the new stuff. Making fun of the... That you're trying, that you're trying to make this big, giant thing of it. When, in fact, like you just said, a, a small trick that a person does right in front of your face like that is more impressive and makes you have that sense of wonder that he says like this moment when you think anything in the universe is possible right and I can remember thinking that as a kid and the bigger stuff is just like for you know like (gasps) kind of reactions whereas the little stuff I think is what makes it more interesting I I still well this is the opposite to the little stuff but I still remember seeing that special where David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear and uh, you know I was young and I didn't if they say there's no camera tricks, I, that, I, that's fine. There is no camera trick. You know, like, I'm young. Like, I'm, okay. And I remember sitting watching it. And he, you know, it was real hyped up. He's going to make the statue. 
and he did and I was looking and I was it was that I was yeah he he did it like he did it I, I was sat there going oh my god this guy made the Statue of Liberty disappear it was a done deal you know I believe you and I know it's an illusion and he probably put a big black cloth up there or something who knows what he did if but, you can find out now. But, but still, to this day, I don't know if, if if they ever disclose that stuff, do they? Or do they? I mean, Penn and Teller, I've always liked. Yeah, Penn and Teller's a good example of people that I now will watch and be like, oh, and it's sometimes it's shock and awe, and some, and they know it. They do a bit of both. Like, they know that the gore and the weirdness can make you, can, like, pique your interest and tittle at you, and yet underneath it all are just these simple little sleight of hand, misdirection. Yeah. The whole, all of that, and it's just, but it, they make it, even now I watch, and I know they're on TV, and yet I, I buy it. I'm like, okay, I, I very, trust that they're the, just doing it. The really interesting thing about the whole magic realm of things is, not many people make it to be a big, big name magician, because you, you probably can't name five of them. You know, like... Penn, Teller, I mean, <laughs> they count as one. Copperfield. I, I mean, Who was before Copperfield? Who did he replace? There was somebody else huge, and then he came Wayne in. Wayne Newton is no, one of them, isn't he? No, not Wayne. There's a Newton. Um, somebody Newton who's a who's a magician, too. Todd Newton? No. I forget his <laughs> That's name. An I can joke. see him. He, he's similar to David Copperfield. Don't think it's Newton. He's real suave. But David Copperfield came in with his big spectacles, replacing what we had been used to, the, the guy or whoever before. But I'm saying, you can't name a bunch of them, so... If you make it big in magic, you know, you're either lucky or very good at it, right? Like Penn and Teller. I mean, I don't really like Chris Angel, but he is good at doing an illusion, right? So, and he made it big for himself. And so it's a weird little... But, they, but on the other side of it, there's tens of thousands of magicians who never make it or are just enthusiastic about it. There's magic conventions where they go ships and do magic. where people work. Cruise ships where people work. Loads of, you know, Las Vegas. There's not just the big guys. There's parties. the small ones. Um, and I was thinking places like Branston, Missouri. Sure. Those kind of places where you would have a magic show. Every touristy city, yeah. I would imagine, in the world. Yeah, even. Blackpool in England. I know his magic shows. Paul Daniels is our famous magician. Who, right. You know, um, again. Old school. Old school, niche. There's the sequins on the suit and yeah. the... The beautiful... Paul Daniels Magic Show, when I was a kid, it was on at 6 o'clock every Saturday night, glued to it. <laughs> I would have my hands up like this, looking at the TV, and just like... And it was really old school. He'd make Debbie McGee, who was his wife, disappear out of a box and stick Sora in half. You know, it wasn't risky, really, but... Yeah, I always used to think it was... I still do. It's How cool. do we devalue it, I wonder? I really don't know, and it's, it's, it is it's a when thing. it's done poorly... It's really, it's really disappointing. Bad. I guess it takes that exact... It's got to take a lot of dedication, man, to get that exact right angle on the thing so that you don't see it. But this, the, but that's not that's not how it works. It's magic. You've got to completely convince people that you have done something that they cannot explain. And I think Chris Angel, you know, like him or loathe him, did do that with his things. I saw that show where he was, like, walking on the swimming pool. And there's no... Nothing. There's people in the swimming pool, and he just walks straight across the water. There's not. It's not camera tricks. It's it's a it's an elaborately set up illusion that makes it look like he's walking, and people really think he think he can do it. It's 
it's like what David Copperfield did it and people are amazed and they think he is magic right and that's the in that moment that's a good magician isn't it like where people just stop going oh it's a trick this guy can do that like that's where it gets that's where it can be that many people who think that though I think there are people really really gullible people like Like me when I was a child (laughs) I was gonna say like you like now I know that it's a trick I just like the fact that it bamboozles me every time. Like, I don't get the trick. Because you don't want to. I don't want to, no. Other people sit there going, how do you do that? Where do you put that? Where'd that scarf come from? How do, did you see him lean this way? Did you see him take a step over there? Did you see him point over there and we're supposed to go over there? They would come. Now, I'm not like that, but I'm not interested now, in why or how. I just One time where it was completely ruined for me was in Mark's uh, living room. And he had this big box. Right? Don't give away any secrets. I, I don't know the secret. I just know that it wasn't right. So he has this big <laughs> box. He puts his sister in it. He opens the door. She's gone. But I can hear something. Yeah, right. So wherever she was concealed, she moved a foot or something. And I was like... No, <laughs> but it looked, hiding. But it looked right. Right. You know, she wasn't there. But I could hear like... Right. <laughs> it was weird. I was like, oh. And that was where, you know, I was like, oh. But, was he nice to his sister, or was he mean to his sister? Uh, she was older than him. Really? So, like, he would have been showing me these tricks, 13, 14, and she would have been, like, 18 or 19. So, but she nice would, sister. Yeah, well, she, she supported him big time. She wanted him to be a magician, you know? So let's move on to the cast of The Incredible Burt Wonderstone. So Steve Carell is our hero here. Hero slash... Um, he, ch- he has a change over the per- over the movie, doesn't he? Uh, he's not quite so likable at the beginning. Diva, he's yeah. divish. So he played. I think it was really good. I, yes, I like him. Um, I think he can turn his hand to anything. And this isn't. If you look at the cover, it looks super over the top. Oh my god, that's. It's not, is it? It's more. It is its moments, of course. It does, but the story is really. Yes, it has over the top moments, but it. I think he did a good job of... There's some emotion in this movie, mm-hmm. which I didn't expect. I just expected it to be goof, like uh, Blades of Glory or something, you know? But it's not exactly that. Even those have those moments, don't they? All these movies have at least... A heart to them. Yeah. I think this especially had a heart to it, though. It felt like people... They didn't want to, like, you know, make people who are into magic feel it bad it? about it. Well, we'll get into that soon. Oh, right. So, um... I'm going to get ahead of myself. Steve Buscemi, who I really love. I'm I'm in love with him. Since Reservoir Dogs, and one of my favourite movies, Ghost World, which I think is a fantastic performance from him. How about Con Air? Yeah. But Ghost World's the one that sticks out to me. I just think it's really subtle, and it's... Sad. Yeah, it's real sad, and and I, I just really like him. He's an interesting actor. You know, he doesn't... Fargo. Yeah, I, Fargo's really good. I of, like you know so much oh as you Fargo know it. Fargo is so good. Yeah, so much as you know what you're gonna get. Steve Buscemi, I you never really do. No, no, like from this to like Carell, you do. Yes, even Truman, Jim Carrey, you kind of know. I mean, he brings it like yeah, this, Jim Carrey's pretty. But he brought something different, and I was I was impressed because there was that little bit of different something but then he always goes to the goof factor the ace ventura creeps out of him sometimes yeah and i think it's just in him i truly think you know when we watch austin in a play and like you've seen him in our nephew he's 16 he does rapunzel where he's got and he you know he has this certain like that jim carrey qual i'm not 
comparing, I'm saying there is a certain body movement, you know, and a certain like, I'm going for the laugh. I'm going for the laugh. And I don't even think it's conscious, though. I think it's like the mo- everything about him and Jim Carrey does it just it's subtle, more subtle this time. But it has its I think they probably let him run with it a lot of times. And then I don't find him down. super funny t- talking about him. Um, I never have I, I, no, not in general. I like him in Truman Show a lot. Yeah. Like, but that's not funny, really. Even though he has to be physical in it. Like, it's a physical kind of... Truman Show's so good. <laughs> but it's still I'm stumbling along some really good movies. Today. But it's still a goofy... He still has some goofy moments in that. That's I, what I'm talking about. The kind of like... Yeah, where he's... Remember where he's like bent it over Yeah, exactly. The, the physicality just... of him overtakes him sometimes. And they're like... Yeah, like, it just And he does that in here. You can see it like bubbling up sometimes when he's doing really good. He's holding on to the moment. And then all of a sudden it's like, I gotta go for a laugh. I gotta go for a laugh. And he does like a weird thing. And you're like, no, no, no. You were doing good. So we were talking about Steve Buscemi and somehow oh, right. we got into it. <laughs> But Buscemi is what he is. I, I, I love him. I think... I don't know what I'm going to get, and I'm often surprised. I This was kind of... Oh, Sopranos. Yeah, and this was really... He was really good in Sopranos, too. Yeah, he, he's good in it. He's also in that Boardwalk Empire, which we've not seen yet, but, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I believe he, um, he always brings something different. And in this, it's really... I like the character of him, because he's kind of quiet. He's not the flamboyant one. He's the... What does the, what does Scandalfini call him? The homely one. That's what he calls yes. him. Like. But I mean, you know, they don't even want him. They just want Burt Wonderstone. He's the big deal, right? But, but then know. we find out the Buscemi's the brains. Right, but I like how Buscemi plays it, you know. the Just like, whatever. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the friend. Um, so uh, Olivia Wilde plays Jane, the love interest in this movie, uh, slash magician's assistant. Uh, we've seen her. Magician. In. Not magician's assistant. Magician's uh-huh. assistant you sexist ends up being a magician. <laughs> no, Bert's No, she is a magician. Yes. But she has to do... Starts as their magician's assistant. Accidentally. Um, Don't diminish her role. And you, we've seen her before in uh, Tron Legacy. I forgot um, that's who she was. I couldn't figure out who she was. Tron Legacy. I mean, I knew I'd seen her, but... Um, I, li- I liked her. I know, too. Um, I-, I want to see her magic show. Me too. I was hoping we would. Me too. But we don't see her do anything, really. So do a couple little things. But yeah, I wanted to see her whole vibe on just, stage. Just a, her doing a trick at the end to show that they incorporated her properly. But how they actually did it was just them kind of stood there taking yeah. applause. I wanted a trick from them all. Um, and there yes, there was a trick from them all, but it's not really her. Because that is a good question, and they bring it up. There aren't any girl magicians. There's no women magicians. And there are. Think about it. There actually sure. are, but not big ones, right? Yeah, I wonder... I've I've actually seen some uh, before, but um, I think yeah. you have a hidden side of this magic thing. I'm not aware of. Are you watching secret magic videos at night? Yeah, it's really hard to shit. You can go on YouTube and watch magic tricks, right? Everybody and his dog. You can do a bit of magic now. We'll put a video sure. on YouTube, and I've watched lots, lots of them. And they're really, there's some really good magicians out there who will never be famous, but they love it. That's what I like about this movie because that's what it's getting at. If you love it, do it, right? So we it's need a, to bring it back then. We need a bunch of. I don't think it's gone anywhere. Magic shows think it's, on TV, and we, need a, you know. I think is I think there's, you know, Britain's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, magicians. There's enough sure. magicians who go in for those. They're they're there. They're still there. We just don't see them in mainstream. Um, so who else we got? We got Jim Carrey. We talked about him. Alan Arkin plays Rance Holloway. 
Fantastic. Yeah, and at first I thought... Really fantastic. At first I actually thought it was Harvey Keitel. When he was <laughs> young the young version of him. I looked and I was like, oh, Harvey Keitel's in this. Awesome. fantastic. Once we get to where he is now, and he's just, don't give a shit, old man. I mean, he's the way he does it, I love Alan Arkin anyway. I think he's just... And I really like that subplot, his actual yeah. plot. Um, how he figures into it, I really like yeah. that. Because it gives Bert because it the, shows the drive Bert back. was the new right razzle-dazzle compared to... At the point when... Rance is his name? Yes. By the time he's making his video in 1982, that's probably his sort of like, ooh, down going. Whereas Bert then has his... <gasps> yeah. Watching the video, and then up, and then down, and then, you know. Because the movie starts with Bert as a child. It's really very deep, this movie. It's very cyclical. Well, it starts with Bert as a... I like the beginning where he's Bert as a child, and it's obvious he's not being parented very well. Yeah. Because his mum tells him to make his own birthday cake. In a nice way. But still, he's not getting the... He's alone. And then he gets this magic trick box... And inside there's a video cassette with this Rance, you know, showing you how to do magic. And he's just like... Oh. Yeah, exactly. I had many magic sets when I was a kid. I too. had one. Yeah, I remember getting them. They were probably Paul Daniels magic sets too. I can't remember. And what. I was never very good at it. Like, I wanted to do it and show, you know... I, yeah, come and watch the cup and ball trick and I'd do it and it was always wrong. Or I'd go, oh God, I mixed it up. Or it's just, no, I could never get it, so... There's an actual skill to it, right, Anna? Yes, <laughs> definitely. It's not like, here's the cups and here's the balls. You're going to be awesome. No, do just it. any old schmucko can do magic. No. Um, now, this is the sad thing about this week's podcast. Really sad. Um, sad. Very sad to you, particularly. And James Gandolfini is in this movie, and he, he plays um, Doug Money. It's a uh, <laughs> perfect name, Doug Money. Um, but he actually died this week, which is really odd, because like he died this week. I was sad about it because I, I really... You love James Gandolfini. I do. and Not just Soprano. You love him all over the place. Yeah. Welcome to the Rileys is one of my... And True Romance. And Killing Them Softly we just saw and you just mentioned again how much But I was him. writing the outline for this week's show and I was like, oh, who's in this? Oh, Steve Carell. And then I got... Uh, James Gandolfini is in it. And I wrote it the day after he right. died. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> That's going to be awful. Like, But yeah, it's... He's Why young. do we think that though? Like a famous people die every day, like hundreds of thousands of people die in a week all over the world. You feel like you know Like I know person. that appreciating him in terms of what you've seen, what he's offered you entertainment wise, that's what you think, oh I'm g I I'll never get any more. I was thinking that today, wasn't Yeah. You? That I think is what I was thinking about that, like people make such a big deal about it. It is horrible he's fifty one years old. You don't want a fifteen one year old person to just drop dead. Then again, many people died very horribly on that day around the world, and I think that we have to put in perspective why why you miss exactly like this person's offered me his interpretation of characters taking me to places and in stories, and it's enriched my life in those moments because of who he is and how he does his job. That is enough to make you go to mourn the loss of that person. I guess that because it's really the only connection you have is this illusion. Of and there that. are moments you will never forget from him. Absolutely, and, and all kinds of actions. for me, it's true romance because no matter what, she you know Alabama has to fight for her life with and him. You and you can never forget that, and you can never forget his portrayal of Tony Soprano. Love him or loathe him, you cannot forget. It. You've if you watch The Sopranos, 
It's just woven in there. Yeah. In fact, they kept mentioning, you know, no one really knew who he was, really, did Sopranos, and that was, like, right, the part of our lifetime. And it didn't come until his 40s, and it didn't come until he'd been in all kinds of stuff in his life. So, I understand the mourning, the loss of a famous person. It's just that you have to weigh it in terms of, well, what am I really mourning here? You feel bad for a, a young wife and a young kid and a 13-year-old son who has lost yeah. their father. And again, relatively, you have to put it in perspective, lots of other fathers died on that day in this world. And sometimes in horrible, horrible ways. And so, sad to lose and you, the future potential of a person. At 51 years old, you're just like, he could have been making movies and shows for another 40 years. And that's like, why I was watching this today, and this is no, this is just a goofy kind of role. But I was like, you know, I like watching him, even in this role. And now I can't watch him again. I right. mean, I can watch him again. But Same I can never watch anything new. Ever. Yeah, like the Mexican, really good. Right, really good. Different, different thing. Lots of things he's been in. He's, I, welcome to the Rileys if you've not seen it. It's really stand out to me. It is, yeah. Um, and we saw Not Fade Away just recently as well with him. Yeah, not the greatest movie, but I liked him in it. Um, always gave a good performance. Um, so rest in peace, James Gandolfini. Horrible. Um, I totally shocked. It shocked me because I know. just because he's not like an old man. Exactly. I mean, I, I would expect um, Alan Arkin. Exactly. It wouldn't, it wouldn't. If all of a sudden somebody said Alan Arkin died, yeah, be like, I would oh, be like, he's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But when you go, when they say somebody, and you're like, wow, um, he's not much older than me. That's really. another connection you make sometimes. Is like, oh shit, like that's yeah. five years away, six years away. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> And uh, finally, I put down here David Copperfield, who actually plays himself in here. Um, he did not pass away this week. No. Uh, so as far as we know. If you like, there is uh, David Copperfield. And he actually... It was quite funny. And he I actually consulted on one of the tricks. Or more of the tricks, probably. Um, so this is directed by Don Scardino. Before you go on, I wonder if David Copperfield has ever gone through what they went through in the movie, where you are a phenomenon, and all of a sudden, every show is sold out, and then... You start coming out on the stage and you notice empty seats. And then you notice more empty seats. And you're like doing your thing. I'm doing my arm presentation. Yeah. You step out with the same da-da-da-da. And you look and you're like, holy shit, 20% of the people aren't here. And then is your mind, are you just like mind blown by that? Like what's happening? And then it might keep, and then what do you do? You got to do something crazy to like get people back. I wonder if oh, I think, he has to have experienced I think they that. really portrayed that well in this movie. The Very well. dwindling of the act. And what was my favorite part, I thought it was really cool, was where at one point in the movie, Bert and Anton are not together. So Bert's doing the show on his own. And because he's like, it's kind of just memory to him that he's done this show for yep. 30 years or whatever it is. He's, he's doing half of a dialogue yeah, but with it, himself. Yeah, but sometimes he forgets. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's... Uh, yeah. He, he says, because he's supposed to be including his partner and he has to kind of exclude him. But sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong and it was obvious. And it was like, oh my, yeah, if you had done the same thing every single night, say it, say it, say it, say it, it would be hard to get out of it, wouldn't it, and change it. And then that job, which is being a magician and bringing wonder and wonderment to people, becomes a job like stuffing envelopes. Yeah. You're just going through the motions. Swiping stuff at a check, checkout, like swiping the item. Now that can have some variety in it, I must say. I've done it myself. You can have a little bit of fun at that 30 job. years of it, though. <laughs> Well, it's automatic at that point, right? Same as it is for these magicians. You just beep, 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 hello, hello, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's some variety there. 
think every anything though. It's just <laughs> true. So um, Blu-ray extras here, and there are quite a few. To be honest. Would um, you want your heart surgeon to be bored by the time he's coming in to see you? Do I you think his job's kind of intense. I don't think it. Yeah, but it's if very you've different. done five hundred heart surgeries and yeah, I, like I said, I don't know anything about uh, heart surgery. So yeah, it could get boring. I guess you could be like, oh, open another chest cavity. You walk in, you go. <sighs> okay. <laughs> you don't want to hear that though. I'd rather have the anesthetic before I hear that. <laughs> the doctor's like, anything we can do to spice this up a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> could we bring like. You know, I am. Um, can you so, bring my iPad in here so I can watch Netflix while I do this? <laughs> so the cover of uh, the Incredible Burt Wonderstone, I really love because it reminds me of a. It's it's got that old um, Vegas poster look to it. You know, uh, not really. Like on the it's strip, not nicely the designed thing. though. Yeah, more. It looks like a billboard. Blah, yeah, blah, billboard, uh, billboard on the strip yeah, for the definitely. For the comedian. So uh, there are some extras, and they're actually kind of cool. Uh, one of them, Steve Gray, uncut. Which is basically... That's Truman. Jim Carrey's um, character, Steve Gray. It's like a an episode of Mind Freak. Yeah. But Brain yes. Rapist, <laughs> it is called. So it's like an episode of that done in that style. So the Why tricks- do men think using the word rape is funny? I'm not saying you, I'm saying the people who write that. It's not funny. I, I, I understood the, to it because they're trying to like extreme jerk? and, you know... Yeah, but it's horrible. It's violence against women or or it is, yeah, but he's, children and you know it's it's similar to. So a you're mind supposed freak. to think he's a complete asshole because he uses that. Yes. Okay. Because he's so. I like when he says when he's getting in the van and Bert Wonderstone's going to speak to it, and he says like, he gets in the van. Right. You keep talking. You him. keep talking, and well, I'll drive away. <laughs> Because <laughs> he wants to. You ask pretend me. like I'm still here, and I'm gonna go. Yeah, go, he's so I'm full of go. himself. <laughs> So, um, but that would be a thing I would love to say to other people sometimes. You know what? Yeah. You just keep talking and pretend I'm standing right in front yeah, of you. I'm, I'm just going to move along. <laughs> It'll be the same anyway, because I won't be listening to what you're saying, so you might as well just... So this is like a whole episode of his show, and it's done in that style. It's done in the style of Mind Freak. Somebody watched Mind Freak very closely. Well, yeah. They had to and did, do their research. did an episode of that. Um, then there's deleted scenes. Do you think that mind freak guy looks at that and goes like, "Oh my god, I'm ridiculous"? Or does he go? Or does he think I'm really an asshole? Funny. Or I'm an asshole? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this how people yes. perceive what I'm doing? Or is he like, "Look, they're paying homage." Or to am me. I really a mind freak? <laughs> like that's not me. That's not me. <laughs> so there's deleted scenes and alternate takes over 20 minutes of missing scenes. They're not the best, really. There's a couple of good ones. I can't fall asleep, so I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of good ones. Um, there's an alternate ending, but the ending in the movie's better. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, they're there, 20 minutes worth. Then there's something called Making Movie Magic with David Copperfield, which is pretty good, because mm-hmm. you actually get David Copperfield telling you about his involvement in the movie, and he does some cameos in the movie, and he shows you his footage of the trick at the beginning, like what he presented to them. Here's a trick you can do. Uh, and then there's a gag reel, which is a gag reel. Fluffing lines. Nobody's gagging. No. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that is the incredible Bert Wonderstone. I recommend it. I think it's really fun. But there again, I do have an attachment to magic in my mind. If you don't, It's because maybe... you're innocent. You have an innocent, dare I say, gullible mind sometimes. You, can, you, you buy into things in a way that I envy because... 
I don't. I think I naturally don't have it. Like, I really don't. When a movie, for example, that would be my magic, right? I'm watching a movie. When I am, and sometimes I become aware of it, kind of burst the illusion, but sometimes I'm completely transported All there. the time, me. Pretty much. Right, and this dubs me sometimes, because there are movies that just, like, like I'm a fly on flypaper, and I'm just, what? I'm there, and I can't, I, I, I love it. I love it. Then my mind is like, oh, I'm lost in it. The rest of the time, it's like there's always a thing between, you know, and I think that's how I am with magic or anything like that. Not that I try to debunk it constantly or anything like that, because I don't care, but it doesn't, it doesn't like suck me in. Like now there were a couple of performances I've seen on the X, uh, Britain's Got Talent tryouts and stuff where you're just like, oh, it's going to happen. Then I almost get there, and I can feel that what you're feeling. Because as soon as they say magician to you, you're just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're like there already. So I don't know what it is. I think I just naturally have this guard of I don't want to be fooled. And it's not conscious. It just is. But movies and certain... Like when I watch Star Trek, and I'm not bullshitting here, it every single series, every almost... Even if I've got the tablet sitting over to the side, you know, and I'm doing dishes or something, and it is on, once it, once I'm in that first 30 seconds, I'm in it. I'm like, I'm on the Enterprise, I'm on another planet, I'm, even though my body is over here, something about it sucks me in. I think that's why I love it so that's much. That's probably the first time it happened to me, uh, watching Star Wars when I was a kid. Right. Where I was like, you're transported. This is real, like I just watched, it, I just watched these people from space. Right, and I don't know where mine comes from with Star Trek because I really didn't watch it when I was a kid or anything. But I do appreciate that feeling of almost uncon like you're just been you've been sucked into. I'm not this saying thing. now I think Star Wars is people like that. Really, <laughs> maybe they do. But, but. Yeah, but you get your brain, you disconnect. Yeah, from I the can fact switch everything else. Sitting off. in a in a chair in a house in the middle of America on a winter's day or a summer's day, watching a thing, you are. It's like. You know, almost out of body experience to me. And yeah, I, I do that. turn everything Magic off. Magic doesn't do watch. that to me. So, but I understand. Um, and yeah, the last thing I would say, David Copperfield actually said he loves doing movies because movies to is, him are the to others. him yeah. the people who make movies. It, there must be a magic thing to go. Oh, I've got this idea, and that now that we've just made it happen. Like somehow, you know, we've made the Avengers, and look at it. They're all they're they've come to life. Yeah, we there did they that. Are. So, yeah, movie magic is not an old term, but, I mean, yeah. it is an old term. So, um, yeah, I like that. So, thanks to Warner Brothers for the Blu-ray. Um, I want to remind you about, I've got three new contests coming up on the site this week, so keep your eye out on Monday. Contests of strength, contests of You'll be able to win contest. three new Blu-ray titles. What do these people have to do? Go and answer a question on aschoolie.com. <laughs> uh, That's it? Hey, it is. You have to answer a question, and you have to submit your email address, and then I put you in a hat, and then when when it comes down to it, you You've might... turn into a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So uh, next week's Blu-ray review will be Stoker, which is the guy... Uh, I, I can not, not say his name, but he is the director of Old Boy. It's his <laughs> new movie, um, starring... Those people on the front. Yeah, what's she called? Australian lady. Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Um, so we'll be looking at that next week. Stoker. 
So, movie game. What's movie game? We do that at this point in the podcast. Mean movie year? Yes. The movie game is called movie year, which of course we've never improved upon, but you say a movie and I have to dredge up in my brain, visualize when it occurred, and pick the year. I'm not guessing. I have to try to really think of the year and then I do the same thing. You have to do it. Right. So my one to you is on the magician you know, thing. Yeah. And this is the shittiest movie you've ever seen. <laughs> but it does involve... A, there's a magician in Vegas. And it's called Next, and it stars Nicolas Cage. Oh, my God. That one is really bad. There's a magician bad. connection to that, that movie. That wasn't very long ago. So that's Next, with Jessica Biel and Nicolas Cage. 2010. Wrong. 2007. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So we watched it later than... We no, we watched it when it was out on Blu-ray. Really? Yeah, because we reviewed it. I just wanted, I guess, for some reason it's chasing me. It ain't. uh, It wasn't a magician, it was cheating. It's a really good premise at the beginning. I like the the premise. I don't. But then what it is, is just shit. I don't, because it's just ridiculous. It is, kind of. Who says it's their favorite movie? Your friend? No, I don't know if anybody says that. It's their favorite movie. No, you're right. It's somebody at my work. Right. That movie's awesome. What a great, cool concept. I'm like, nah, definitively, it is not. It All is right, to so me. what's my movie? Yet? All right. Oh, crap. What was it? I, I don't pick mine every week. Remember, I have a list. Uh, oh, okay. From Here to Eternity. From Here to Eternity with Burt Bert- Lancaster. And that was in black and white, and he's on the beach, and he's... Blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> everyone's image of Gotta that. Go back I've never time. seen it by the way and right. just uh, if this helps it was the picture of the year at the Academy Awards yes it was you say that like you know that I am going for and I'm probably way out of it way out of it 57 you are not way out of there 1953 oh close yeah very close yeah. but we didn't do the one year thing though no, Something's neither wrong. of us did this. Maybe day. our heart's not in it. Maybe it's they? magic. Something to do with oh, the magic. Oh, oh, it's magic. Are you going to pay the you rights know. to that song? I think I've changed it enough <laughs> that probably. And what's the other one? I don't know. I'm not. I'm... Abba, 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 Cadaver. Steve Miller. You have to pay him as well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure from what I said, you cannot tell that that's the song. No. How does it go? You're not making Abra, me sing. Abra, Abra, no to Hollywood. I want to reach out and grab you. Oh, what dear. is that song about? I was listening to it the other day on Sirius. You had it on in the kitchen. And I was sat there and it was on. And I was like, what is this? He's, he, so he's going to like trick the chick into... Sexual Groper? relations. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. He's going to trick her. Well, you're giving it a dark... No, thing. listen to the, the actual huh? verses. The verses sound like he's either going to spike a drink or <laughs> get her really drunk. And There's then he will reach out and grab her. That's what it sounds like. But it's not drink, it's magic. Yeah, well, magic penis. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> like now I have to look up the origin of that song. Surely he's mentioned it. So He'll probably say it's, I don't know. He'll probably say it's about magicians. But anyway, that's movie year for this week. Movie recommendations. This is the section of the show where we recommend you some movies. And uh, I am recommending them based on this movie, The Incredible Burt Wonderstone. My first one is The Prestige by Christopher Nolan. If you want really a really good. awesome magic movie that is not a comedy. Also The Illusionist. Yeah, I never saw it. We did. I don't think I saw that one. We'd... I thought we watched them both. 
No, I didn't see that one. That was Ed Norton, wasn't it? Yeah, we watched it. Well, I didn't. So you might have watched it on HBO. I've never seen it. I've seen the trailer. No. No, we did back then. So, um, yeah, I'm going for The Prestige. It's the best serious magic movie. And Anchorman for a crazy comedy. If I ever have to go for a crazy comedy, it's going to be Anchorman. And a special shout-out to Anchorman 2, which is coming at Christmas. Exciting. So what are your... um, my recommendations are, and I, I don't know why, but as I was watching this, the sense of like the peak of a thing, of a of a career or of an era or of a thing, and then the down, it just seems really depressing when you really think about it. Like everything peaks, but then it always comes down. Funny people cropped into my mind. Which is that just that? Comedians are... Yeah, a comedian who kind of has like ultra fame and then a little glitch and then he meets up with people who maybe have had big fame and then they're not so famous anymore and I just think that popped into my head and then the other one is Venus which is fantastic it's really grim and quite depressing it is with Peter O'Toole who is like old and he and his friend are both old dudes and they were old vaudevillian actors and now they're just really old Crotchety dudes. Crotchety, but then this young lady comes into their life and it's good, it's bad, it's whatever, but it's super point, it's super like that, it exemplifies that. Also nominated for Academy Award. Of that person's life was in the youth, this, you know, everything at the top, at the top, at the top, and no matter how hard you try, well, I guess we could say Mr. Gandolfini won't have the down. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, that's it's just cyclical. Like, your life, something goes up, but it's going to come down. And that's what that movie kind of, and in a very poignant, and then you go, well, it doesn't matter then that you were, like, big, you're just a person, and, mm-hmm. oh, it's a, it's a good movie. Uh, so, games and Ace Scully stuff. Um, let's talk about The Last of Us. You talk about it. Well, I don't want to talk fully about it because I haven't actually got very far. How far have we got? Like Can we six, do some after the show? Six hours, maybe in. No. Maybe five hours. No, 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 no. I don't think. I, I think, think it is on the cl- on the. I don't think so. I think your perception is like stretched out because it's so good. You think you've played it longer than. All you right. Have. So the Last of Us is Naughty Dog, uh, who made the Uncharted series of games. Um, As a non-gamer, <clears throat> I wouldn't know what that means. But you played. You've seen me play Uncharted. Yeah, but Nathan. I don't really. Nathan Drake. It's like, mean, I barely watched any of it. Yeah, but it's basically um, in the, their take on Indiana Jones. Um, but better? Better than any Indiana Jones game that exists, yeah. not Maybe not better than Indiana Jones movies. So, The Last of Us is... What is it? Why am I telling them? I don't know. You're the gamer you, person. This, this time, you have uh, experienced it also. Right. But you're the one who plays the games. I mean... You know how I'm going to say it. All right. The Last of Us is Naughty Dog's new game. (laughs) I won't say Um, it right. And uh, it is their take on the end of the world. Is it the end of the world? Doesn't seem like it. The Last of Us. Seems like the end of humanity. That's not the end of the world. Yeah. That's what I mean. See, I wouldn't have said it Not the actual planet. No. Ending. Or maybe it is. Anyway, there's a... We haven't gotten there yet. the, The guys who wrote the story from Naughty Dog... Um, saw this documentary, nature documentary, about this virus that is actually in ants, if you've heard of it. Yep, I knew exactly what it was about. And it, it's like a spore that these ants get, and then they it, it, decide, it grows from the inside of them out of every orifice of the ant. 
and uh, actually changes the behavior of the ant because of the, what is it, the cellular... I'm not sure how. I just Cellular reconfiguration, I think it is. Um, so this, this story is, imagine that thing has happened to... There's a picture of one for you. Um, uh, they can't see pictures on the... I'm not telling them, I'm telling you. Oh, I've seen the pictures. I, I've looked it all up. So um, this is if this happened to humans. So there's, there's been this outbreak... I don't know how. Does it say on that news report? I think it does, doesn't it? No, not yet. The news report on the TV. Uh-uh. Mentioned something, though, didn't it? It's no. Mm. No, it didn't say how it had occurred, did it? Mm-mm. So it had occurred, it's occurred to everybody. Almost. So it, then... then well, We don't even know that yet. We haven't even seen, really, the whole of it. It says on the news report here, there, and there that we haven't seen anything. We know nothing except our struggle to get from point A to point B. Yeah, and where are we? What part of the country is it? Boston. Boston. That's where we are right now. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's northeast America. Right. So, and, you know, this game is like a, a journey getting away. So... It's, yeah, it starts with uh, our hero guy, and then it goes to a 20 years later thing where you, where the game takes place, the rest of the game. Because the thing happens, and then 20 years into it is so, where we're at. Yeah, and then things have changed. The world, you know, America... That's all we see so far. ...is a different place. And what kind of game would you say it is? What do you mean? Like, what kind of game would it be? Is it a racing no, game? No, it I don't know what all the different terms are for games. All I know is you're just trying to survive. It's not a racing game. I was just using that as a... <laughs> there's no... Well, yes, there is. There's actually a car in, involved. Yeah. I don't know. Because I don't know. I mean, I know you. they call things different... I would call it an action-adventure game. Same as Uncharted. Why not survival horror? It's not really horrible. Well, it is horrible, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I would say. But I would say action-adventure because it's it's like Uncharted, but it's a, a grim zombie. There's not many adventurers in Uncharted. It's, it's not adventurous. A... You're just going from point A to point B. And you have to struggle along the way with battles. That's about it, really. Yeah. Well, but what is exceptional about this game, and it's a PS3 exclusive, is the storytelling, as usual, with Naughty Dog. Uncharted games, what makes them so amazing? The gameplay is pretty good, but it's the voice acting and the character that they've developed. Like, like Uncharted Nathan Drake. It's a really awesome character. You know, you get behind him, you like what he does, you like his companions. He's almost more likable than Indiana Jones is in the movies. You know, he's, he's, you can understand his. So the character in this one, um, what's he called? Joel. I don't remember. Joel. That is correct. And Ellie. <laughs> Ellie is his, is his companion. You don't remember a lot. I don't remember Joel. I don't remember his name. That's his name, Joel. I don't say it a lot. No, he's called Joel. They do say it a lot. She's uh, Tess calls him it all the time. Oh, I don't remember. Was you asleep? No, but... <laughs> anyway, what, what I'm getting at here is Sid Talk, who doesn't normally watch me play games at all, she's not interested in the slightest, is... Um, That's not true. Well, Sometimes you're not interested in games. You'd, I, even, I'll say to you, games. do you want to look at this game? You go, no, not really. So... True, but it's not like I'm not interested in the slightest about your games. It's just no, that I'm not, I, mean I don't want to invest... You're not going to sit and watch me play a game. Is what I'm saying. Just very few. I watched Walking Dead. Yes. I like this one. Right. 
So what do you like? I would probably have watched in Laura Croft games if I ever caught you at the beginning and then you would want... But the thing is, if I watch it, I don't want to just watch five minutes now and an hour later and then an hour near the end. I want to watch the whole thing. And why should I demand that you never play the game except in my presence? So I just try to leave it. But this one you offered. You even said, I'm going to wait till you get home. And this is quite a long game too. It's like an 18 hours, they're saying, something like that. So it must be a big journey, right? And a lot of stuff must occur but um, it's PS3 only um, and it's really interesting that it's coming out like just before the new consoles appear and it, it's not going to be a new console game I like the fact that the Playstation 3 is getting this amazing game at the end of its life because there hasn't been much it's been pretty slim not the end of dry. its life for a lot of people they're not going to buy a PS4 Right, but it's the end of its life as far as Sony will stop making games for it at some point in the very near future. You know? The last game for it will probably be that uh, Ellen Page game, which Mm -hmm. is coming in September, which is Beyond Two Souls. I think that'll be the last PS3 game you'll see. What type of game is that one? That's like, it's by the Heavy Rain people, so it's like that. Heavy Rain. Advent... Like uh, crime solving. No, Heavy Rain's like um, a choose your own adventure kind of storybook kind That's of all interactive. interactive thing. Yeah, every game is interactive. It's more story than game, if you get what I'm saying. Maybe they're the kind of games you like where it's more story than game. Absolutely, I get sick of gunfire and fighting and shit. Well, the Last of Us has gunfire. It gets a little boring, the fights, but I figure you're, we're going to get through this and then we're going to get some more I think co- the fights content. are really good in Last of Us because, and you're not doing the fighting bits, but Correct. it's stealth on sometimes, well, if you're dealing with the infected or you're dealing with people, you have to deal with them different ways. So the infected, you really want to be quiet and sneaky. And not even all of them. No. They're all different kinds. And, you know, soldiers, people... You can behave differently. You can shoot at them. You can have a normal kind and of... And why are we shooting at soldiers if they're, soldiers are trying to help us, right? No, they're, they're not trying to help us. No. <laughs> not these ones. Well, the thing is, they are, but they aren't. We don't know the no. motivation, except it's sort of a police state at this right. stage. Yeah, exactly. And it seems very oppressive. And if you're one of the, what they call the fireflies in this game, which are like the uprising. The rebels, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to... It's a very common theme, mm-hmm. but it is probably how it would go. Right? If something like Oh my god, I have no doubt that the assholes of the world would take over if everything fell apart. Not that the assholes of the world don't rule everything now, but street by street, house by house, neighborhood by neighborhood. People. Yeah, the idiots who just fucking don't think beyond themselves is how that's always portrayed. It's like this power militant um like from The Walking Dead, the people in charge of that little community where they've got everything all perfect and everything, you know, they've boarded themselves off. But what do they do? The alpha f- freaking people decide we're going to get rid of all the injured people, the sick people, the little, the young people, and the old people. Because we can't have any of that shit. we yeah. got to have just pure, strong, uh, you know, and then kill anybody who tries to infiltrate. All that kind of stuff. They're, you know, we never get a portrayal of like a cooperative without I mean, you're going to have to always have the power I understand you're always going to have to have the guns in a post-apocalyptic world because there's always an asshole around every corner I'm, isn't the end of humanity enough of a threat for all of humanity to go holy shit maybe we should all 
drop our egos and drop our own little agendas. And, like, I'm getting irritated because it's always told that way. There's always the 28 Days Later guy has it. You know, when you think these soldiers are coming to save you, they're not. There's always that element. And what, what... Walking Dead, Mr... Patch guy. What Naughty Dog did well here is the first 30 minutes of the game, which is like this incredible opening sequence. Up the part that's up to the credits. And, uh, Didn't it like 20 minutes to me? It's 30 minutes, exactly. Was it? Yeah. So, what did you... You know, with the house and mm-hmm. the journey and the running mm-hmm. about, you know, all that stuff. So, what did you uh, think is a good, strong opening? Mm-hmm. Well, you know when... Um, Ebert said that like a video game couldn't uh, rest his soul. Couldn't I, they? They could never. He, his view was video games. Just, As an art, video form, games can't be a storytelling. Couldn't thing. tell a story because it's. I mean, I don't know what it was to him. I don't think he'd seen enough of them, or he'd not seen how he was thinking of like Pac-Man well, and stuff. He was probably basing his opinion on most games, and most games are made to the lowest common denominator. I want to shoot shit. I want to kill shit. I want to blow shit which up. You could, I don't want cutscenes. I don't want to listen to people talk. I don't want any story. Which is Call of Duty or something like that, right? Right. Now, if he's basing on that, he's absolutely right. There's nothing valuable in that except you're getting off shooting people. There just isn't. I, you can't argue Call that. Call of Duty is like, a, if you had to compare it to film, it's like a Michael Bay film. It's like an action-packed... For the spectacle, Call of Duty, something like that. Yeah, but when you are playing Call of Duty, there's nothing to it except. I'm not talking about the multiplayer. I'm talking the story. Right, I'm talking. The, I'm talking the about campaign the of a Call of Duty game is let's blow things up bigger than last time. Let's have a skyscraper come down with a jumbo jet hitting it. Let's yeah. you know, let's go crazy. Like let's. It's a series of that. Whereas this, The Last of Us, is a real subdued. Even though it's dealing with this. It's a personal story between a couple of characters, or more than a couple, but it's a more movie take. It's like a movie. It and could, it be, it could have been. you into the world, it means me anyway, until you come to a fight scene. You know, you're, I'm thinking to myself, 20 years of 90% or however many humans are dead, what would it really look like? And is this close to it and would buildings really look like this and would wildlife invade skyscrapers and I'm in it I'm I'm in it and like what would it feel like to have to climb through blown up communities and knowing that there's this infection and you gotta watch for this and then you gotta watch for the assholes with the guns and it's like I get into it so to me as the non-gamer person that does draw me in and then all of a sudden you've got to f- battle them and then you got to do it like five times in a row because you think you're killing you then I'm totally sucked out of it then I'm like because I'm not doing it then I'm just waiting for the next portion of the game that is story right but this is pretty I, I imagine it's pretty fun to watch the fight when it goes well though um when there's a fight all I care about is it getting over with because there's some cool parts in there where you have to like creep up on things yeah but and... I don't care about the creeping part because I'm not doing it yeah when you're doing it if it it's a different kind of like I like took out a room full of dudes without actually firing a gun like that kind of thing where you're just sneaky or you and as an observer I don't it, all I'm thinking is point A to point B let's and just the... get through this the actual graphics on this game are the best I've seen on the PS3, to be honest. And I don't think it's more about the graphics. I think it's about the art design, how they've actually mm-hmm. took real places and then got the artists to say, 20 years later, what would this be like if yeah. nobody mowed the lawn? If nobody... Yeah. 
did anything. <laughs> it was just, you know. Yeah, what's downtown, what's down the middle of a city look like 20 so they, years after, you know, they don't go over the top with it. There's no, it, There are places where you think, uh, really? But then you're like, 20 years. I can go out back, and after one week, the weeds are growing up between our rocks. Right. And I'm like, okay, multiply that by 20 years. There'd be no deck out there. It'd be, no. like, overtaken. So that's what it does to me. It takes me into a world that doesn't exist that I can wonder about and I can see someone else's take on it and I'm I like that. And I think video games can do it in a unique way because like I said to you, if you're doing it in a movie and you need to make a whole series of cities, say they're travelling through several cities, all like that, it's gonna cost you a hell of a lot of money. It's gonna be some massive budget movie that you have to mm. movies have to make choices, don't they? Do we do one city or do we do all of the cities they visit or do we only show like them inside the car in one city and just suggest that they're there. In a game, you don't need to do that because you can make as many cities as you want. It's not... So you might, if it's a huge journey through seven cities, you can I mean, you see. make it sound really simplified compared to what how much work they have to do, like, No, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's not as expensive so as a movie. logistical. But even just, in movies now, whole cities are CGI anyway. So it's the same as a video They game. are, and it costs a lot of money. And then they get to... Do we... When we're making a movie, do we have another city here that's fully decomposed, or do we suggest they went to that city and then skip the plot ahead a bit? In a game, you can afford to stay in area. You know, you need to, don't you? You need to be in one a city for a long time. And this, the art design here is fantastic. I think um, it has its gamey moments, but from art know. design perspective. Yeah, and, well, programming, probably, I guess, from game design looks. There's certain things that people kind of merge into each other, and things come on the floor that aren't supposed to... Like, the way the water falls on the floor is kind of, like, very computery looking. But then you zoom your eyes out, and everything else looks right. So I had a few... Because I'm not playing, and I'm not looking at the same things you are. I'm looking at everything. Then sometimes you catch a glimpse And it has, like, amazing lighting, because there's a lot of parts where you have to use a... a, a flashlight and very um, good it's very grim sounds are good yeah it's um naughty dog um i've heard lots of is this game got 10 out of 10 across the board like all the magazines and websites aside from a few give it like a four but there is always that the jerks yeah um <laughs> they I, agree with us i agree that it's really really top-notch game um and it's only on the ps3 and you know, if this was earlier in the life cycle of the PS3, it'd be the ga- a game that would make me buy one if I didn't have one. You know, it's the kind of game that I would... I'd have bought... Well, I did buy a PS3 to play Uncharted. Another Naughty Dog game. It's like Naughty Dog would just like be the thing... What other things have they made besides Uncharted in this? They did... Uh... Did they do Mass Effect? No, that's Bioware. They did um... Jack and Daxter? Jack and Daxter. And that's it. Yeah. So the track record is... They've been with Sony. Three franchises. Yeah. And this is like all the games they've ever made. Jack and Daxter is a cartoon. Yeah, Jack and Daxter. um, And they did three or four of those. Uh, You know, like Sly Cooper. That sucker punch. Yeah, I like Sly Cooper. And Sly Cooper went on to make an adult-oriented game, which is Infamous. Which was, I think, an adult version of Sly Cooper. Because it feels like Sly Cooper to play, but it's you're a superhero in a city. It's a but the scaling and the what it's very similar to Sly Cooper, but you don't give it your kids. 
because it's not for the kids. <laughs> so yeah, I recommend Last of Us. You know, if you like stealth gameplay, you like horror, you like, you know, I wish, I only wish that Capcom, who made Resident Evil, would take this template and bring Resident Evil back to reality, because. Resident Evil's just got crazier and crazier and crazier. Not the movies. Well, the movies as well. But the game has just got so bogged down with all its stuff. Its characters and its stuff. I wish they would just go, let's just forget Resident Evil. What has come before. Let's start again with a haunted house. Not a haunted house. An invaded house. Big mansion or whatever. But that's the same as the first game. No, I don't mean make the first game. I mean... Let's strip it back. Like, let's not have all this crazy stuff. But in a mall. I mean, that last Resident Evil, Resident Evil 6, it was terrible, right? And one of the reasons it was terrible is it had three stories in one game and it was really convoluted. It felt really Japanese, if you know what I mean by that. (laughs) Japanese have, like, a really different way of presenting things. Like, it's almost like anime. Like... It's really over the top, and uh, dialogue is very stilted. It's odd. And you can always tell when a game's Japanese because of that. It's not the same as Western storytelling. Right. So Resident Evil suffers from that, and it has suffered from that more and more and more, where where it gets to the point where you don't even know what's going on. Like, it's... What? There's you a, don't know what's going on. There's six viruses here, and there's another virus, and there's this guy was dead three times, and now he's here again. Well, it's like, ugh, you know? So they need to strip it back and do it. Do something like this. I think they need to take notice of this, because this is how you do a horror-slash-action game, you know? Hmm. So so Capcom, don't make that any more of that shit. Like, if, like Resident Evil 6 was so bad... It didn't sell, and within two weeks, it was $20. Within two weeks. Amazon was like, oh, it's $20 now. And it wasn't selling at $20. Which, um, something went wrong, right, with Resident Evil. Mm. But then they made that 3DS version, which was really awesome. Because it was kind of... Because they were working on the 3DS, and it's, like, limited. They can't do everything. Because they have to manage, you know, small processor. They've got to do just what they can do. On the 3DS, what they did was stripped everything back, and it was very similar to the first game, but it was taking place later in the story, and it was really good. So what you're saying is just keep making the first game again. Don't... Resident Evil is With not... With a different, like, skin. Resident Evil's not an action game. Like, they, 5 and 6 are like this action game. It's like Gears of War. You like the suspense and the yeah. fear. Give me less bullets. Give me a flashlight. More puzzles. Give me more a creepy fear. place. Right. Yeah. Like, but it's still the same game again, then. Well, not the same game again. A different story. Different people. Different... But it's the same game. No, not the same environments. Not the same puzzles. I know, but it's that means that it's style the same. of game. Right. Take that game and plunk in. Yeah, like I like Pac-Man. You can make another Pac-Man game, but don't change it too much. Like, like, you know, when they made new Pac-Man, Pac-Man Championship Edition. Awesome. Just a, a slight twist on the original gameplay. Not too crazy. Still really fun to play. Feels like original Pac-Man. That's how Resident Evil should go. But anyway, we're not talking about Resident Evil. We're talking about Last of Us. Go and buy it. Um, it's fantastic. If you've got a PS3 and you like games with action, you know, shooting, action. It's not loads of action, though. You should own it. 
Well, it's, if it's an 18-hour game, we don't know. It could be a ton of action. Yeah, but I mean, the, the pace of it isn't action-y. Not me. the beginnings, no. It's quite slow. I really, really, really like that. Yeah, we do. That was one of the things where I was like, oh, wow. You don't need... Yes, there's a big action-y scene at the yeah. beginning, which is awesome. But then it really slows down to, in, you know, for you to understand the characters. Which most games Definitely. don't do, because they go... Now we got to be really high energy because people will get bored of the game. So, so imagine like Gears of War. You got to have a gigantic battle, a gigantic battle at the beginning that you're going to be in for an hour because you'll be bored if we're telling your story all the time. So, and then it kind of rolls on from there. Call of Duty is one of the biggest uh, offenders of let's have a gigantic battle, let's have another gigantic battle over and over and over and over. It never slows down to tell a story. In fact, the story of Call of Duty is usually told in the loading levels between the action pieces. Right. You know? So uh, that's The Last of Us. And another game I've been playing this week, I've not really played much, but I can say uh, Amazon been having a sale on PlayStation Vita games, which is either a bad sign or they've just got a load of games. I'm thinking it's a bad sign, like the Vita's... You know, on its last legs, so they got to sell these games off. The Vita has legs. That is news. So, um, this game is Assassin's Creed Liberation. I never bought it when it came out last year because it was sixty dollars, which is insane for a handheld game. But Amazon had it on sale this week for nine ninety nine, so I picked a copy up, and um, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's like it's like in between Assassin's Creed two and three, but it merges with three. It's a different story though. But the character that you play in 3, the character you play in Liberation, this Vita version, she meets him at some point. So it does have a cross with the origin, with the main storyline. And it takes place in New Orleans, and it's during slavery. So it's a different um, part of history as well. And the way they present the game to you is really interesting, because in Assassin's Creed, the Animus, which is the bed that you lie on, where you you can lie on this bed, the Animus. It's made by this corporation called Abstergo. You you lie on it, and they hook it up to you, and you can inhabit one of your ancestors through your bloodline. So it will look back at all your ancestors through your DNA, match them, and then you could be... Say you had a cowboy ancestor. To travel in time. You don't travel at all. It's a virtual simulation of... That person's but life. You change reality. Through di- no, you don't change reality. That's the point. It's an. It- that's what I'm saying. In this, it's an entertainment product, and it actually presents it to you that way. It says, mm. "You boot this game up, and it says the Animus, and then it starts loading, and then it says this device you have bought um, enables you to um, travel in your ancestor's shoes, and then it's like your ancestor is, and then it goes, and then it." comes up with this girl who is an ancestor of yours. So they've never really presented it that way. What they're presenting it is this company is just using this as the Animus as an entertainment platform, like just for people to, well, I've always wanted to see what the cowboys were like and you experience it. Versus what? What it's like in the other games? Versus what you are in real life, which would be in No, I mean, in the other games, how's it presented to you then? Uh, It's presented to you... Like a government thing? With this, no... Abstergo make the animus, but it's presented to you as you've stolen an animus, and as an underground resistance movement, you are using it to learn about this this end game for the world. The world's going to end in Assassin's Creed, and 
you you as these resistance people have stolen this animus and found this guy who has links to what these people who are going to end the world are going to do. So he's going back Like a to, Mason's kind of a... Right. Gone through all of history. And he's, kind of yeah, thing. gone through all of history. And he's going back to look at the events. Okay. To try and piece together how to save the world in the future. Which... So in the world, this animus is actually an entertainment device, but your rebels in the other games using have it for research kind of thing. So that's how it's presented to you in there. But in this one, it's pure like, welcome to the welcome to the animus. We're now going to throw you into the shoes of this ancestor of yours for fun. You're going to Fair. be her, like. So that is Assassin's Creed Liberation on Vita. It's ten dollars on Amazon, but it isn't anymore, unfortunately. It's probably fifty dollars again. So you've just tantalized them and ripped it away. Yeah, but. Actually, go and look in Amazon's Vita store. There's a lot of games for nine ninety seven. Quite a lot of them from launch. Like Wipeout and, you know, good titles that for $10, $10 it's pretty crazy and good value. Because you know the little memory card that the How game... How much is the Vita now? They never price dropped it. How much is that? $250. Shit. Still $250. It's a little pricey. It is expensive. It's a really good handout that you see. I use mm-hmm. it all the time. I, I love it. Um, I think Sony did a really good job of, with it. I think people didn't understand what was different about it to the PSP. That's $80. Yeah. It kind of looks the same. Unless you use it and then go, oh no, it's not the same. <laughs> this is the, Well, you know, the Vita's nothing like the PSP. It's uh, YouTube, Netflix, all of that yeah. stuff on the Vita. You can use it for everything. Um, I think the public don't understand it. Maybe when the PS4 comes out and they do all this Vita PS4 stuff. I and thought they, you were saying the Vita was maybe going away. Well, they, they're saying that... They said at E3, the Vita isn't going away. We have a plan for it. And it's a, an, an extended plan. But it kind of contradicts what they're actually doing because they haven't been putting out any games for it for quite some time now. I think there's been about four months without a game. Which or maybe is, it won't be... Ex- like, the game. this game came out for your PS4... And as a supplement, you can use that might happen because yeah. they've been doing this cross thing with the PS3. So I imagine they've got some kind of plan with the Vita and the PS4, and maybe when maybe a side effect of the PS4 coming out is they'll do more marketing for the Vita, which might sell it more. But they have to drop the price. Mm-hmm. It needs to be. You can't charge three ninety nine. No. For your and then two fifty for your yeah. handheld. No, you can't. So it needs to be. You can't charge three ninety nine for the thing anyway, but they're going to. It needs to be one fifty, I think, which is what the three DS goes for, about that price, where people can go, oh, it's not actually, <laughs> it's not actually as much as a PS four almost. How about ninety nine dollars? It would be great, but I don't see it because they they still got the PSP at like eighty. In fact, I'm looking at it. I think like forty nine ninety nine will be reasonable. It's pretty badass though. What it do, what it doesn't can do. matter. It's just a game. That's the thing. thing. Yeah, but it's not though. Because it's, it's all all the it's pretty good, you know. My perception is it's just a gaming thing. Therefore, it's you. The value is forty nine ninety nine is less than a game though. And games should be five dollars. You know that you know my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see ever it being forty nine ninety nine unless you pick one up at a yard sale. But I, I do see it being a hundred and fifty dollars at some point. Not soon because Sony aren't like that. They might drop the price of it when the PS4 comes out, but I bet you any money they drop it from 250 to 199. That'll probably be as much as they knock off it. So um, 
that's Assassin's Creed Liberation. And that's it for my uh, Games and A School stuff this week. So, Sid Tar, what is for dinner? Because I am very hungry. Morning Star, Prime Burger, uh, Roast Potatoes. I'm going to roast this up some potatoes. Well, pan roast them. Oh, that's good. Uh, uh, tomato soup. I think that's sounds good. And uh, I got some chocolate cookies, some new... I know you're off the cookie thing with your tea, but these might... I didn't give any last night, so I'm giving you some tonight. And that's it. And my advice is very simple. Would you like to read my advice to people? And this is to everyone, and including myself, so don't don't take it personally. Jesus, criminy, don't take it personally. Yes. It's like in this world, you can't say your opinion to people without them thinking you are taking a little ice pick and poking it straight at them. If I think... If I say a comment about a lot of things... I mean, about a thing in general. For example, if I say it on Facebook, if I say it in a group of people, if I post it on my website, there is not one single individual person that I'm thinking of. Why do people think that you're poking at them? So I'm going to say, in general to everyone, would you like to tell them? Yeah, it's very short and sweet. That's what it's it's, (laughs) uh, get your head out of your ass. You say it much better than I can. <laughs> yeah, get your head out of your ass. You're not the only person in the world. I mean, you're not. If I make a comment, not just me, me meaning anyone. If someone says a comment about a fill-in-the-blank religion, politics, idea, um, belief, um, opinion of a game or a movie or a, a music style or a sporting team, and you don't agree with them... It doesn't mean they're insulting you. For goodness sake, it means they have a fucking opinion that isn't yours. I'm so sick of people. It frustrates me. Thinking. They're so delicate and shit. It's like you can't say anything without people being like, You've just attacked my entire life because you don't like my Bible. Or you don't like, you don't believe in this. Or you don't like my sport team. Like, I don't give a shit enough to care enough to be insulting you. I'm just giving you my broad opinion. If you want to get into a discussion with me, then be prepared. Because if you're going to say some shit that I think doesn't match up with what you've said before, or it doesn't have anything to back it up, then yeah, it might be between you and I, very, very specifically. But I just want to say that, Jeffrey. Just get your head out of your ass and, like, look at the whole... I mean, get your head out of your ass, as you say it so eloquently. And, like, look at the whole world. Like, you're not the center of it. You're not it. You're not it. You're really not it. Okay, so saying that... <laughs> saying that's it, you're not it. Exactly. I have no... I am not delusional. I completely... I am nothing in the world. I am something to a small portion of people. In the world, I am a, I am a, I am a, like a speck of dust in an ocean of dust. Okay, so I am it, and I want you to listen to exactly what I'm saying now. So thanks for listening to our podcast, um, the only podcast around. And I want to remind you about our websites, aschoolie.com, sidtar.com. You can catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live. You might not be able to catch sidtar.com at the moment because uh, sidtar had a mishap with the domain name. I didn't pay. It'll be back soon. Um, You can catch this podcast on the RSS feed. Just go to acecoolie.com, click on the word podcast, or go to the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace, or email email me at acecoolie at acecoolie.com for feedback. Don't email Sid Talk, because the domain doesn't work at the moment. And 
There you go. It's fixed. <gasps> so that way my email might not have been it, working. It wouldn't have been for, for That explains for a while. it. And uh, since the 18th, actually. Interesting. So, uh, stay classy, uh, Bert Wonderstone. Very classy uh, act. <laughs> and Sid Talk. I'm going to say, think for yourself. Because if you don't do it, I'm going to do it for you. Ha <laughs> ha!